episode 10 of the Rapid Ascent podcast. Episode 10, can't believe it. Uh, it feels like yesterday we just started the podcast and here we are at number 10 already, going great. Um, averaging nearly a 1,000 downloads a month, so I really appreciate all your feedback. Really hope you enjoyed the episode with Samara Shepherd for, for January. This month we've got another mountain biker getting in the spirit of the cycling season and the mountain bike season. Uh, we've got the Otway Odyssey coming up on February 22. Our guest for today is last year's winner of the Otway Odyssey, the 100km solo event. It's a brutal event, as you'll find out in the podcast with our special guest, Brendan Johnston. He's an absolute superstar on the mountain bike circuit. A really humble guy, such a mature outlook for such a young, young guy. He's only 28 years of age. He's already accumulated four national championships. But it was probably his battle with cancer at the age of 17. He got diagnosed with a paratesticular lump at age 17, only weeks away from finishing high school. It was a, that's probably his biggest battle to date, and we're going to hear all about it today. So please tune in and enjoy. I appreciate all your comments. Uh, feel free to give us some feedback on iTunes or Podbean. Really appreciate all your comments and feedback. But otherwise, here's episode 10 of the Rapid Ascent podcast with Brennan Johnston. Well, it's a very warm welcome to our guest for episode 10 of the Rapid Ascent podcast, Brendan Johnston. Welcome. Yeah, thanks, Ben. So it's good to be on. It's great to have you on the show. Now, a lot of people in the mountain biking world, they refer to you as Trekkie. So first cab off the rank, why, why Trekkie? Uh, many years ago when I first um, got into to mountain bike racing, um, just in the, the crew in Canberra, um, kind of uh, I had like a bit of a shop deal with uh, Trek bikes at the time and um, yeah a, a friend of ours like in the scene kind of just came up with it and and started calling me that um, at first it was kind of uh, I found it a bit annoying and then like more and more people obviously started calling me that and um, yeah it's definitely stuck for yeah till now it's kind of when I go back and think about it, it's kind of a strange strange thing like to be referred to that so often um, but yeah, I mean, I had great support from Trek for, you know, probably eight or nine years. Um, so yeah, it's kind of kind of cool that's stuck. And um, yeah, so nothing to do with Star Trek itself, <laughs> just the bike man. Just literally uh, Trek bikes. Yep. Yeah, cool. So perhaps looking at changing your nickname to Giant. <laughs> uh, it's been mentioned a few times, but um, <laughs> yeah, like I think. Um, I'm pretty well known with that sort of nickname, um, and it, it's yeah, like I guess ten or fifteen years strong now. So, kind of trying to change yeah. that is probably not worthwhile. And um, yeah, I sat down with with the guys at Giant as well, and that was when we first talked about um, contracts and stuff. That was I brought it up, and I thought, oh, is this is this going to be an issue? And um, yeah, that they were they were cool as no, they they rated my sort of personality and. Um, that, yeah, I guess the name kind of goes along with it. Yeah, I can uh, Brendan Giant Johnston. That's got a, a, a nice <laughs> ring to it. Maybe in the future. Yeah, maybe it'll, it'll come around. <laughs> now, just to put uh, this interview in, into context, seven pm on a Friday night. So, I really appreciate your time. I'm in Torquay. You're in Canberra. I understand. So. Really appreciate you joining us this evening. Now, you've had a massive week. You run a small business Monday to Friday, so you obviously you had a big week. First question, how do you balance out a professional cycling career with with a small business? 
Um, a lot of what I'm doing right now, actually, um, sitting in the office in the evenings um, is, is um, a big part of it. Um, obviously, I've got a very understanding wife, um, Sue, who's um, awesome and really helps us um, kind of get through it all. I've, I've done a, a, a few sort of day-in-the-life um, type videos and, and that over the years and it's, um, yeah, I guess sort of outlined how, how it all works and I don't know, I think... Um, yeah, it kind of all goes back to yeah, I was, um, which you might touch on later. I was ill in um, sort of two thousand and nine, and kind of um, had to wake up and, and grasp the fact that a professional cycling career might be taken from me any time with with some sort of illness. As it, um, you know, kind of, I got a big scare with that early on. So at that point, I decided that um, I need to do something else that's going to. Um, you know, get a, get a career that's sustainable um, without without it being solely you know like a, a, an athlete, um, which is essentially what I thought when I was was growing up. I moved to Canberra to, to be an athlete, and and um, yeah, it all changed pretty quickly after that. But yeah, so that that's kind of why I've um, made the choice to to have sort of two careers, I guess. Um, and it it certainly is a battle every day to maintain them both as as best as possible, and. Um, yeah, certainly. I, I feel the the pressure from from both sides. I've got a business partner, and we um, obviously he's got a family to feed and stuff, and and we need to push on with that. And um, you know, we've got several employees and stuff, so I sort of feel the pressure from that side, and and do my best to make that run well. And um, also, um, I've got plenty of people within the cycling um, sort of side of things that that support me really well, and. Um, to it to the extent that I really feel I have to give back. So yeah, it's it's a battle um every day, I'd say. Yeah, it sounds like you're very focused. We'll come to you. You mentioned your illness there in the earlier part of that answer. I want to come to that um a little bit later, but if we can go back, you said you moved to Canberra to be an athlete. Uh, where, where did you grow up as as a kid? Uh, I I grew up on the south coast. Um, sort of near Batman's Bay where the, the fires have just kind of ripped through so everyone kind of knows about that um, area now for, for all the wrong reasons. Um, but, I mean, yeah. it, it was a, a really good place to grow up and um, but it just got a bit quiet for me when I finished school and stuff. And, and um, yeah, I, I saw myself going to a place where there's more people who ride and train and, um, yeah, I'd, I'd done a couple of sort of national team trips and stuff and I was really keen to to kind of keep moving down that path with the, the mountain biking and, um, yeah, I was pretty focused, I guess, on on the training and, and wanting to be um, like a pro, I guess, at that point. That's, all you, that's kind of what you want to be. You want to be a, a professional in, in the sport that you choose and um, I thought moving to Canberra was the, the good pathway to kind of continue that. So. And you've always been passionate about cycling. So, did you want to become a pro cyclist or pro mountain biker, or both? Uh, I mean, I started probably road cycling um, first, with because my my um, dad and sister were actually racing a bit on the road, and went to some sort of um, we had some like interclub events and did that sort of stuff on the road, handicaps or whatever. And um, yeah, I suppose from there, I. I had a bit of fitness and stuff. You know, I mean, we're still talking very young, like maybe 11, 12, 13 years old and um, 
had a bit of fitness and, and went and did some mountain bike racing and I really enjoyed the fact that um, the fitness and the the technical aspect of mountain biking were able to combine together and make a um, you know a, just this new sport which was which was so exciting to me I thought that you didn't only have to be fit it was you had to be technically good and and that was I just sort of a massive challenge and I think um, still being quite young I just I just really had a lot of fun with it. And was there anyone that you looked up to at the time? Um, I imagine Cadell Evans was probably getting around as a senior rider when you were a kid. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, Cadell and um, even like Lance was obviously in his prime at that at that point. And um, my dad watched a lot of the Tour de France and stuff. And and uh, you know, well, I enjoyed watching it um, back then. I'd say a lot more than I do now. I, I don't know what it was about it then. Whether, whether the racing was um, better and they were, I don't know, but I remember, I do remember that fondly watching um, the Tour de France and, and those battles they'd have in the big climbs. And yeah, I suppose guys, you know, racing at the front of the tour was um, probably a big, big aspiration for me. And um, I just saw it as being so epic. And yeah, I sort of, I probably didn't follow mountain bike as much in the earlier years. And, um, and then moving through, like, I mean, Absalon and stuff at the World Cups, and I did a bit of that. You know, you go, you finally get to go to a few World Cups as a, as a junior or whatever, and you, you see Absalon, who's won, I don't know, however many um, World Cups. And and when you get there and you see how quick those guys are, it, it literally that's opened your eyes so much to um, what you'd done as a kid for so long. And then, yeah, to see, like, Absalon and, and Schurter in his sort of earlier years, um, tearing it up at the same race is just incredible so they're definitely guy a guy that you look up to yeah for sure i mean so much so that they they seem probably untouchable you know like they're the level at world cup mountain biking got so much respect for um for those guys and, and obviously other aussies who have gone and, and chased that because i've I've been there and realised how hard it is and how much time and, and years you have to do it for to just to break into the to the sort of top end of World Cup racing and then I mean to to be winning the races is um, like like Sherda does all the time. It's crazy. I they, they must be um as far as athletes go, you know, like just insane intensity. Um you see them ripping around the, the World Cup courses and climbing, like sprinting up the climbs and then having the the focus and the energy to nail the, the downhills, which are getting harder and harder. So um, for sure, like the guys at the front of the World Cups, so when I went there and saw that, I was um, really taken away. Yeah, I've seen some YouTube videos of Shooter um, <laughs> riding up hills and doing sprint work and training drills, and he's just – the guy's a freak. Yeah, like in terms of um, athletes, like he, he's got to be right up there for – just an absolute powerhouse, like, um, you know, a whole body physically strong for the downhills and, and obviously his aerobic fitness, anaerobic fitness is, is through the roof when you see how quick they go. And for you getting into mountain biking, was it as simple as just showing up to your local mountain bike club? How did you work your way into that? Yeah, it was exactly that. We um, we didn't have much of a scene um, in Maria um, locally where I was from. We we travelled up to um, it was called Scum actually, South Coast United Mountain Bikers up at um, Nowra, and friends of ours kind of Scum. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
they're still going. They obviously um, got hit by the fires as well, uh, which is now is a couple of hours north of um, Marie or Batman's Bay or an hour and a half of Batman's Bay. And, um, yeah, had trouble with the fires recently as well. But, like, young small clubs like that, um, as a youngster, we would go out there and that was, like, the big weekend trip and um, do the race on the Sunday. And, I, you know, me and, me and Dad would go out there and some other friends. And, yeah, we literally went along to one event and um, – I was on like a, a giant alias at the time. Like a, I'd had my bike, I rode it every day um, with mates and stuff, just doing whatever. And, and then, it, yeah, took it to this race and um, really had a ball with it. Um, and from there, yeah, like I said, I had a little bit of fitness from the, the road racing and um, just went along to this club event and, and just really enjoyed the challenge of um, racing around single track with, with other guys and, and trying to beat them. So you went on to have a, a fairly promising junior career, fair to yeah, say? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I did. Um, I thought so. I yeah. thought I was on a good sort of trajectory, trajectory to, um, you know, some uh, a career that was going to be um, pretty decent. But, I mean, at that point, you, you, I don't know that you know like you want, you want all the sponsorship and you want um, all that. You can lose sight a bit of what's um, important, I guess, in terms of training and, and making those next steps, um, you know, and, and I think, you, yeah, you, you don't really know what you want. You just want to um, be, be one of the best and, um, yeah, kind of make those steps. And I had a few um, like national sort of level wins as an under-17, under-19 um, and yeah, went on some trips to um, we had the world championships in Australia actually, and I did a trip to Canada and stuff as a junior, and um, just things like that. You know, you're so excited about riding on the national team; that, that's all you want. You know, you, you're hanging out for the team announcement or whatever. And um, I remember one year I missed out, and it was it was like it was all over. You know, um, so at that point, yeah, I, I was I was right into it, and. Um, it was my yeah, definitely my main focus. Yeah, so wearing the green and gold, obviously a big highlight in your junior junior racing. So I understand you were headed for the World Mountain Bike Championships in Canberra, and then you were diagnosed with a tumor. Is that correct? Yeah. So we had done that that trip I just mentioned. Um, well, in fact, we had a, a big junior trip planned um, earlier in that year, um, two thousand nine. Uh, and, uh, so I was uh, 17 and we 17, had this, yeah. yeah, we had this um, big trip plan which I'd made the team for and um, we were racing in Tassie the last race before we were going to go, I believe. There was maybe six six juniors and, um, and yeah, right, the last the national round in Tasmania, I had a, um, the coach at the time, Neil Ross, was watching and he, he's told me this afterwards. Um, there was, I can't remember how I was going in the race. I think I was maybe second or maybe I was even leading. And um, the coaches had a, a friend there and he said, Oh, watch, watch Brendan. You know, he's, he goes really well in the, um, the downhills. And I'd right in front of him, little jump, um, messed it up over the bars, broken collarbone, um, like <laughs> a week before we meant to leave. And he's told me that afterwards, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's that's great." So um, anyway, I ended up missing out on the trip, which um, 
was a real shame. I was absolutely gutted about it. But later on that year, we went. Um, I just went with the the older team. In fact, um, guys like Paul Vanderplug, Lucky Norris, um, Gracie Elvin, um were all on that squad at the time, and um, I, I was lucky enough to go along with them. To uh, we went to Canada for a couple of World Cups, and um, I'd sort of found the uh, lump before going on that trip, and yep, like it's so cliche, but I. I thought nothing of it, you know, like I um, I sort of always had that uh, like it's um, like things, bad things happen, but never to me. Like, I don't know. I just, it, it didn't worry me at all. I wasn't um, concerned about it, you know, and it was quite a, like a decent lump. It wasn't something that now I think about it. It's not something that was normal, you know, like um, so, yeah, I did that trip and stuff with, you know, that, that lump there or whatever and um i think i even kind of got back i hadn't told anyone about it i got back and i we our gp at the time was really good family friends um and he was into cycling and stuff and he'd always helped me um with any issues i had illness or whatever and uh, i just mentioned it to him kind of in passing i think we're at a coffee shop after a ride maybe and um he said oh yeah no worries um just come in and um he scheduled me for an ultrasound and then yeah, I, I think I had the ultrasound and then uh, maybe I was up at we were at the AS, like doing a camp before the Worlds in Canberra um, and he called me and got the results of the ultrasound and, yeah, at that point um, I, told, I, I think I told mum and dad and, yeah, it got really serious within, um, yeah, like a couple of days. We, yeah, it all snowballed into something pretty pretty hectic. Yeah, so just incredible. So on top of the world and then the broken collarbone and then um, felt a lump, ignored it, just being a typical sort of who's 17, so you're a teenager. So um, I don't think anyone would blame you for ignoring it if at that age, but it's totally unexpected. And just for listeners, it was paratesticular, paratesticular tumour. Yeah, yeah. And... What happened after that? So trip cancelled immediately or was it a, uh, a long-term treatment plan or no, straight so, into the operating Yeah, we had an appointment with a specialist, I think, the following day that we got the ultrasound results and then um, that that was pretty full-on. Like um, I'd gone from thinking this is nothing to the, like the specialist telling me and my parents that I've got cancer and um, that was sort of within a day, you know, like I wasn't worried about it the day before and then uh, we obviously were really worried about it um, Yeah, because it, it's a hard thing. They don't um, – I've, I've said this a number of times to when, when I talked about it um, with people that they never actually say um, like you'll be like, yeah, you've got cancer but you'll be fine. It's more like you've got cancer and um, – we're going to do this operation, this operation, and you'll be on this, um, these drugs for this long, and um, hopefully it helps. Like that, that's about all you get out of. And obviously, I was in um, a number of appointments and um, consultations for weeks and weeks um, around that time, and and for the following sort of twelve to fourteen months, and and that whole process, that whole time, I never, never 
like family and friends say, yeah, yeah, you, you, you'll be fine. Like we'll sort it out. But yeah, definitely no, no professional ever said, um, you, you'll be fine. Like you, like yeah, you've got cancer, but you'll survive. Like no one, no one says that. So that's I guess what when I look back on it, I think um, that was what I found the hardest to kind of deal with. But um, yeah, back to your question in terms of how it went, um, we. The following day, um, went to Sydney straight away and had the operation. Um, so I think it was about two weeks to the Canberra race or two or three weeks to the Canberra race, um, World Championships. And I'd kind of, um, that had kind of gone out the window a bit for me at that point. And um, anyway, talking to the the surgeon and stuff he's saying like what you know i guess he'd heard about what i was up to with the the mountain biking and stuff and um he's chatting about trying to kind of do things quickly and and um you know not have too much of an impact because i might be able to get back to racing and 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 do the worlds which was um obviously i was pretty interested in um going along with and and potentially entertaining the the idea so I had this surgery, and then um, I think the following day they it was it was a hectic surgery. Like they they did a number of things, and um, it's kind of set you up for the treatment and stuff how they they need to do it. And and then the following day, I think they they'd taken what they took out, and they they wanted to go back in, and uh, he wasn't happy with the amount he'd taken, so he went went back under and and got it done again. And then um, yeah, it was into a bit of recovery. They they uh, put off the chemotherapy for until after Worlds. So um, I don't know. It's sort of all a bit vague at the moment how it um, all went down, but for whatever reason it was fine to do that and um, I managed to kind of get some riding in and uh, uncomfortably as it, as it was and um, get on the start line, which I think it was really um, good because it was a big build-up to that, to the Canberra Worlds, um, Home World Championships and you know, I, I was going quite well. I think I had, I'd been earmarked for the, the, the country gets six or six spots, I think, and I was earmarked for the um, the highest ranked Aussie spot on the start line. So I was going to have a good start position, and uh, which is violent, that sort of racing. And um, yep. yeah, I'd sort of prove myself throughout the year that I was in good shape and, and potential um, for a good result. I think I was maybe last year under 19 so at the yeah so at the um sort of best point to get a, a junior result and um yeah it's, it was a home track i was confident on it and this kind of was a big big curveball as you say absolutely so i cannot believe you made it to the start line so how much fitness do you think you lost while you were in the operating theater and just how was uh, it just I, getting up even yeah, two or three I mean, weeks later in terms of fitness, I'm not sure um, at that age. Like, you, I don't think you lose it that quickly. Um, it's probably it was probably more just the pro- shock of the process, and um, the operation was quite invasive. Um, and like, yeah. it was um, I had trouble with the this where the um, incisions were like healing because I, I'd started riding and stuff again, and. Um, yeah, it was just not a great thing for the, the big cuts that I had done. Um, sort of lower stomach and groin area, they weren't really enjoying the um, riding that much. So that was probably what held me back a bit, um, I think. Yeah. And, and and just like I say, the the um, 
yeah, the shock of, of going through all that and kind of I've always been um, one for if I'm going to do a race, I, I want to be the best prepared that I can be and, and not have any um, sort of distractions or like I struggle with getting on the star line and going, oh, last week I was at the doctor's. Like I, it doesn't, yeah, yeah, I struggle with that a bit. So um, I think I, I ended up sort of moving back in the field and, and whoever else it was at the time started at the front and, um, yeah, I just did the, did the race as a, you know, box to tick and, and kind of I pretty much had to sign out from, from racing from then on because we had more surgery following the, the Worlds and, um, yeah, I just wanted to get that, tick that box and, and kind of do it because it had been a big build-up um, yeah. to, the, to, the, to the race and I think it was a good way to kind of kick off this next sort of uh, phase of what, you know, my life is going to be, so. Yeah, it's uh, to put it into context, like it, it was the World Championships, wasn't it? It's uh, it's the grand final of what you yeah, were doing at that age. Yeah, that's right. It's um, you know, all the obviously all the best guys from around the world come out to the World Championships, and um, yeah, it, it was the big one. You know, I hadn't done one before then, um, so yeah, it was it was massive for me, and um, I was really really pumped for it, but um. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember how I went in the race. I, I think I got around, I finished, which was um, good for me and it was good for my family as well. Um, yeah. They were, they were right, really supportive of my racing and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was all enjoyed by all that sort of, I guess, see, see me out there. So, And was this um, public knowledge? So did your teammates know what was going on at this stage? or Yeah, it sort of, um, no, it, it filtered out pretty quick. and. Um, yeah, I mean, I had yeah. massive support from the the mountain bike community for sure. It was it was awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. I, had, I think I had like reporters from other countries and stuff, kind of trying to cover this story a bit. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it, for me, it wasn't something I was kind of happy to be proud of. It was sort of, you know, like I, I wanted to be um, known for having a good like. Or you know, if I was going to get any coverage, I'd like it to be for having a good result or a good ride. Like I wasn't that comfortable with sort of um, trying to, yeah, not not like a sympathy thing, but like just a, yep. it just didn't, it wasn't something I was sort of proud of, or um, yeah. But but like I say, it, it I had great support from all the. We had a really good national team that year, and all the other Aussie athletes um, right throughout the the different ages were really supportive and um, definitely uh, made some really good friends. To, to this day um through that that time so yeah it's testament to your character that you were still focused on results and just wanting the story to be about your race rather than anything else it's, it's massive so uh you had the race and then straight into treatment after that yeah a few more operations and um they really you know they had no reason to hold back after then so it was all in and um yeah there's just different sort of surgeries they do to kind of insert um like devices that, that they can administer the chemotherapy through and um they take out sort of glands and stuff that the cancer might spread to which is pretty invasive surgery that was probably one of the biggest ones i had that left me um pretty shattered for a while and then we actually kicked off the the chemotherapy i guess a few weeks after that race once it all settled down and they they kind of tailor a um uh 
protocol of of drugs to you and 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 the cancer that you have um and they kicked that off and then we we did the first session and um i had this reaction to i was back i'd gone gone back home um to maria after having the first um sort of session it was like a five day so in the hospital for five days um on the trip the whole day we went back home after that and um you know, obviously, there's there's tons of stuff that they they tell you about how that's going to affect you and side effects and stuff. And I just got really ill um, when I was back home and ended up having to um, get a, get an airlifted back to Canberra. Um, and I was in the acute care ward for a week, I think, just just extremely sick with this liver disease that I sort of got from the um, reaction with the chemotherapy. So. That was pretty full on. I mean, um, definitely touch and go at, at the point of being airlifted back to Canberra, and um, yeah, that was that was probably the toughest time I'd had with the the whole process. Um, I mean, the the surgery and stuff are uncomfortable, but yeah, that sort of illness and um, just being really sick um, for an extended period was that was that was probably the the lowest point. And yeah, I mean, you get through that and. Um, they kick you off into we they change the protocol and the drugs that, that hopefully I wasn't gonna have the reaction to and um yeah, once it kicked off and, and we got got into it proper it was it was okay. So yeah, you're in full survival mode at this stage. So, I mean, was mountain biking and cycling and other physical activity just off completely off the radar? You were just you were just all about survival and day to day? Yeah, yeah. At that point for sure. Um yeah, like thinking back on it, you, like I was, I was pretty useless. Like, um, well, I had mum, mum and dad were great, and um, my sister and stuff to kind of help me get get through the rougher times. Um, I, I wasn't that self sufficient. Like, just just the amount of sleep I was having. Like, I'd just wake up in the morning and and have breakfast or whatever, and just go back to bed. Like, it was. Yeah, it's pretty grim. Um, just like really no energy. Um, this is certainly for the first sort of yeah. We'd have like a week of treatment, five days, and then um, two weeks off, and then back for another week. So there was different things that happened in the phases after each block. Like like I might be really tired for the first few days, and then like this crazy bone pain would set in for the next few days, and um, then I might feel okay for a bit, um, and and yeah, so that sort of went on, and I got used to that. And um, I guess to, as we got through the the stages of the treatment, and the, you know, there was obviously I think there was like forty two or by the maybe forty five of these blocks of treatment. By the end of it, I was just ticking them off as we as we went through, and um, definitely as we got down the track, I was playing a bit of golf and um, doing sort of super easy rides. They, there was issues with um like if i was to have an accident like a crash then i might bleed out because of the the thinning effects of the blood and stuff so there was all those sorts of risks which we had to manage um but yeah i played a lot of golf with, with my dad and stuff and that was um about all i was, was good for you kind of there's all sorts of side effects which um make things hard like i i was i liked golf and um wanted to play well at it but with the treatment you're having it it takes away the sort of um, feeling in your fingertips and toes. So holding a golf club was um, 
possible, but like there wasn't much finesse with my my game. <laughs> so you could have gone down the path of a professional golfer by the sound. <laughs> Probably not. Um, I don't think I have the patience. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, like I, I just wanted to get outside and do something, and and, and that was working yeah. for me. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant to get a bit of bonding time with your dad as well. So obviously massive support network. Are your mum and dad based in Canberra? They're um, still down the coast, yeah. So um, yeah. moved up up here sort of away from them and uh, it's only two and a half hours away. But, um, yeah, yeah, really kind of set up up here now and um, obviously try and get down there a bit, but it's hard. And you had you met your partner or wife? Uh, yeah, I met Sue, my wife. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, when I first moved here, I did some. I was living with um, Dylan Cooper um, at the time. I'd spent a fair bit of time with him. He was um, really helpful through the the process. This is just post, you know, I guess the year um, following the, the all the treatment and whatever. Um, guys like yeah, Dylan, um, Sean Lewis, James Williamson. Um, really played a, a big part they were i guess they, they were kind of guys um that i'd looked up to um moving to canberra and, and they were all, you know right at the top of the scene and um yeah it was cool to have their kind of support through that period and yeah moved to to canberra we're living with dylan um and got a little part-time job for you know i i, I was kind of trying to ride during the day and um i just did some casual work at a at a like a functions firm and um I think I only lasted um, a couple of shifts before I'd had enough of it, but somehow managed to drag a um, an invite to the Christmas party, which was like a big communal Christmas party for the company. And um, yeah, I was still still surprised to this day how I got the invite after being. Um, oh, let's not say I was sacked, but maybe I um, quit. I guess I don't know what happened first. <laughs> but um, what what type of work was it? Just like um, hospitality, like um, like running, helping at functions and stuff. I just wasn't into it. It wasn't my um, cup of tea. Yeah. But I, it was a job, and um, I thought it might be okay to kind of pass the evenings. But um, yeah. yeah, then we just had this communal Christmas party with with the company, and um, yeah, I met through there, and um, kind of like, that's almost that's coming up ten years ago. Yeah. Gosh, so you. Had the operation, uh, started the treatment program, got some part-time work, and met your future partner. So, correct, yeah. From the ashes came something really, really special. <laughs> yeah, and I, I around about that time as well, uh, um, another friend of mine, um, Shane. He, uh, we kind of um, knew each other through through mountain biking. He'd done a lot of mountain biking. Was a bit of a bit of a mentor I guess um and he sort of he owned a bike shop here and um he kind of recently gotten out of that and then um started doing this this work for um this solar firm from from New Zealand and like solar panels and um he said oh do you want to come along and do some laboring I was like yeah that works great for me I've just lost this other job so um let's do it I'll, I'll come along and, and we'll get stuck into it and um Anyway, the, the, he wasn't an electrician or anything, but the electrician on site, I met him and he offered me an apprenticeship. And at that point, I, I was, you know, coming back from from the treatment and stuff, I was still tossing out what I wanted to do, but I knew that I needed to do something that um, wasn't purely dependent on my ability to um, be physically fit, I guess, you know, or, you know, or, you know like a high-level fit. So um, that was something that I 
I was really mindful of and um, I thought, yeah, let's do it. Like, why not? You know, I need to do something that that's going to be long-term and, um, yeah, got in, did an apprenticeship and, and here we are. So 10 years later, running your own business, well, was it in a partnership? Yeah, so I'm a partner with that that guy I met, um, Rob, who's, who I did my apprenticeship with. And, um, yeah, so we, we did the apprenticeship and then went into partnership probably well, not long after I finished that. So, um, yeah, it's sort of it's crazy how it's come along. We've got um, seven, seven employees at the moment. So, Yeah, it sounds like a lot of good things have happened since – since those dark days in hospital when you're questioning everything? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's a bit cliche, but you, you do get a good perspective um, when things like that happen. And I've just really, um, I don't know, I've always been mindful of, um, yeah, just securing some kind of future that's not, um, you know, an athlete, solely, solely athlete-focused and, um yeah, I'm really, really proud that I've made that um, decision to. Like, obviously, it was a decision that I that I had to make. Um, I, I could have kept on trying to to ride and sort of pursue that kind of battle that you do. Um, obviously, I missed a few key years, like 18, 19 years old. You kind of make a break at that time, and then you have to, um, yeah, battle on from there if you haven't made it by then. So. I just sort of wasn't happy just to do that. I wanted to to sort of make a career that um, was sustainable, and um, yeah, I, I was. I still think now, like back, like we raced um, road road nationals um, last month, and and I, I was able to ride with sort of the, the world tour guys, and um, yeah, sometimes you go, oh, what if, what if? But I don't think uh, I rarely question that I've made the wrong decision. I'm really happy with where I am now I mean um, I've got a great gig with Giant um, I've got a I've got a job that's you know our business is doing really well and yeah I, I some days I think oh why do I do it do it all but it's it's pretty rare and um, uh, you know it's it's soon after that that I, I realize why and I, I yeah I keep it in my mind yeah it must it must be such a spin out to be I don't know for, finishing up work on a Wednesday afternoon and then heading for Buninyong in Ballarat for the national championships and riding with some of the, some European riders and the best guys in Australia as well. So I, I know you got, was it ninth this year in the road nuts? Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, it is, um, you know, it's funny. And um, the, I actually employ um, Reese Tuck, another young guy who I've met over the years, um, Yep. with racing and his family and Tony and his dad and um, has been really helpful with some some races and WA and stuff and um, so I've known them a long time and, and he's kind of now he works for me and so we'd um, yeah we'd head off to like the year before we we raced I think I had actually had a crash at the road road nets in the last lap and um, I think I finished 15th he was 14th or something Um and just like even this year, we're in the bunch together late in the race. It's quite quite cool to have t- two guys that you know we work together during the week, and then um, on the weekends we can go and race at a pretty high level. So it's, yeah, it, it's it is funny to think. And um, but I mean, I don't think that um, we're or, you know myself at least. Uh, uh, I think anyone anyone could do the same thing. It's sort of just um, 
yeah, I've obviously made the choice to, to do it how I'm doing it. Yeah, well, that's um, a good lead-in, I guess, to your schedule. Again, I know we touched on it at the start, but your your scheduling must be just so precise week to week. So is it a case that you're up at 5 a.m. doing a few Ks on the bike, working all day, and then you're doing some administration like you are tonight, and then you're up early again tomorrow training? Is that just seven days a week? Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, like I was saying, we've done like some some video um, grabs of day to day stuff that I've that I've done before, and it's quite interesting to sit down and look at it all. But it's it certainly is. I mean, um, usually I have Mondays off the bike, which is it's quite nice to sleep in Monday morning. But yeah, we kick it off on Tuesdays. I usually sort of get up at quarter past four and um, try and quarter get past up to. Quarter past four, try and get two hours on the bike in each morning, um, Monday through Friday, that's the working days. And then, um, yeah, obviously big, big hours on the weekend. Um, but and, and during the, the winter and stuff, I do a lot on the trainer. So I might ride outside in the morning and then on the trainer in the evening. And um, yeah, and often I'm in the office till, till late because I, I, I do all the um, books for the business and, um, yeah, certainly I've got a very supportive wife, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Is she quite active as well? Is she into cycling or? Uh, not cycling. Sue um, does a lot of running and, um, yep. yeah, run, running sort of her thing. So, But certainly um, she's been massive support for us to get through and obviously um, she understands that. Um, both sort of the business side of things and and the the race the racing and um, training is is important for for myself. So um, yeah, really appreciate her efforts. Yeah, and you said us. So have you have you guys got kids as well? Uh, not yet. One um, on the way. Yeah. One on the way. Congratulations. One on the way. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, when is Sue due? Um, in July. So. Oh, yeah, good. is that um, public knowledge, or <laughs> are you announcing right now? Yeah, um, I guess I am. Yep. <laughs> oh, you are. There yeah. you go. Um, We've got an ex- exclusive on the Rapid Asset yeah. podcast. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. So I oh, think, well, congratulations. Um, certainly, it's going to be another another ball in the air. <laughs> yeah, another spatter in the works, as they yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations and. Uh, it sounds like you'll you'll fit that in, no no problem whatsoever. Yeah, like I say, um, Sue Sue's been great. So um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's it's something that um, well, we're really excited about. So I think absolutely. Yeah, looking forward. To uh, it's brilliant to hear. So I guess if we can go back to so you, you got through the treatment, you were out of action for perhaps twelve months. Would that be about right or? Uh, probably more. I mean, once we got, like I say, there was a few complications that blew it out a bit. Um, so maybe like 14 months of kind of treatment time and then, um, you have that like last, last treatment and, and you kind of go into remission as they call it. And, um, obviously you still need kind of months to recover from that. And then, yeah, the, the, the following year I just, um, cruised around and did some, um, I guess because because I'd just finished school, um, or I didn't quite get to finish school because it happened at the same time. So 
Um, I kind of missed out on a lot of that, like, um, sort of schoolies time. I didn't, like, I was mm-hmm. ill for that. So um, I had a bit of a year off after after the treatment and cruised around and um, did, did, like, a big trip, hung out with um, my mate Paul Vanderplug for a uh, for a month or whatever, and, and just did things like that. And um, cruise. I went to Japan for a bit with Dylan, and um, yeah, just just did things like that for the following year, and, and kind of relaxed, and, um, and then started riding again. And so it's probably two years out, out of sort of competitive competitive racing. Yeah, it's great that you had that support. I can imagine a guy like Vander too would have just been brilliant to have around and sort of get you up and going again. Yeah, like I'd, I'd met him sort of just as the whole process had started um, on that Canada trip and, um, yeah, he kind of, you know, was there for the, the whole thing and um, he was really good. I mean, yeah, he was best uh, groomsman at my wedding and, um, you know, that was many, many years later and we obviously still catch up regularly when we can today and at different events and stuff. So it's been a long-term thing and, um, yeah, like I say, met in a pretty – important part of my life and i guess after the your two-year hiatus from mountain biking and cycling uh there was is it fair to say there was a bit of a, a revolution in terms of your performance on the track you you went on to win four national championships i think it's three in a row and then you had a break and then won another one yeah i think that um that was a really good time for me i, I worked hard to get fit again and um obviously around i had i had good support but i I was also doing the apprenticeship and stuff at the time but um rob my my then boss was super understanding and um kind of appreciated what i was what i was up to with the racing and um did a few trips to sort of uh, world cups and and trying to chase that scene for a bit but um over the years with that i just took wasn't really enjoying it it was it was super hard to go over there and and just um kind of try and compete and and i just wasn't enjoying the style of racing i mean you you're two minutes into the race and um you at this bottleneck of you know 100 riders and just i just wasn't having fun with it so in in the end i ended up sort of shifting the focus to um the longer stuff and the the more aussie based stuff and just really started enjoying it and um when you're young, you, you take on some of these 100k events, and uh, yeah, you always get to like 20k to go, and you absolutely blow, and it's just a it's <laughs> massive nightmare trying to get home. Like you're cramping, and yeah. it happens to everyone that, that sort of takes it on, and you have to do like five or six or seven before you kind of get it right and get get through one without completely exploding. And I mean, I took on a lot of, of those races over the years, and and um, yeah, just started having this success. I, I was finding myself. Um, like four hours in into a race kind of really feeling good and and kind of unstoppable in that last sort of half hour or hour um so that i was taking that in you know to each of these events and and national champs and stuff and um yeah just had that massive confidence sort of later in the race which i i think is where they're all won and lost so um yeah it was it was a good period i had a lot of wins which was great it probably would have culminated last year with your efforts at uh, the Cape Epic in South Africa. Do you want to take us through that? So you, after four national championships, uh, I think yourself and Cam Ivory were targeting Cape Epic in South Africa. 
obviously a whole different level of riding. How was it over in South Africa last year? Yeah, it was, um, yeah, we were at a, a race in Alice actually, um, Cam and I, and when I sort of um, broached the subject with him um, and said, oh, do you want to do, do the Cave Epic? We'd, it was actually at the after party after the race, after the event. So um, I don't know whether he took me that seriously or not, but um, we, uh, I sort of wanted to do it, do that race. I've done a lot of stage racing here um, over the years um, and it, that that for me was like the pinnacle of um, stage racing, and I'd seen things like like Toby Price, the the Dakar racer who's gone and done the Dakar and won it. I was like, I want to. What's the biggest stage race? Well, I'm going to go and do the biggest stage racing in mountain biking, and that's Cape Epic. So um, yeah, we we decided to take it on. We trained pretty well for it. Um, it's a crazy event. It was everything I thought it would be and, and some more, I'd say. Um, yeah, and we just sort of prepared pretty well. We obviously were in different states. Cam was um, in Adelaide and I'm up here in Canberra, so we didn't train together that much. We had one trip where we were shooting this video. We trained a bit together and um, things were looking good. It was actually at the um, Otway. We, it was only the Odyssey. We only we caught up maybe a week or two weeks before we were heading to the Cape Epping. Cam had a bit of a rough day at the at the Otway, so um, kind of I, I was still one hundred percent confident in Cam for for the Epic, and um, so was he. I mean, he, he thought he just had an off day, but then I guess once we got over to the the Epic and, and got stuck into it, um, yeah, Cam just, just struggled a bit during the week, and um, we were kind of weren't where either of us thought we might be. Um, at the end of it, but I mean, what an experience! It was it was crazy. Um, just such a such a big event, and yeah, truly epic, as as the name suggests. And and for me, it was kind of I hadn't sort of raced against um, Nino and stuff, Nino Scherter and and those guys um, since sort of doing world world champs or whatever. Not that you know I ever thought I was really in the same race as them. But those those are sort of events. It's hard to to think like that yeah. but um i hadn't sort of been around them and for a while and then coming back to the cape epic line up and those guys are just a few rows in front and yes yeah, kind of the biggest guys that there are in mountain biking um and we're kicking off these stages together and yeah it was it was pretty crazy i mean the first stage or the prior to the prologue the, the first stage we actually had a pretty good day we um lost quite a bit early on and then um you know in the second sort of 60 or 70k of the stage we actually conceded i don't think we conceded much time to to nino and um lars it was um so it's just to have been being the same sort of stage as, as those guys and as some some stages having flashes of um brilliance against them is um cool and yeah just an incredible race experience are, that, are those guys a similar age or are they a little bit older uh than us yeah uh, Nino's definitely older than me. Um, he might be seven or eight years older than I am. Um, yep. I'm 28. Sort of at the peak. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. And obviously he's he's had a crazy career and, and he could turn up at an event like the Cape Epic and just be just as good as he is, you know, over five hours as he is over one and a half. So, um yeah, 
pro proper um, impressive athletes. Yeah, and do you speak to those guys as well? Is it, you know, hey, Brendan, uh, how are you going? Uh, no, not, not so not much. much. Um, there's some of the other guys that I, um, I've kind of got to know over the years just through hanging out with um, different people and some of the other World Cup trips um, I did, like Sergio Manticon, he, he, he's he been right up there for a while. And, um, yeah, it's, some of them are really cool. But, yeah, I've never sort of interacted with, with the proper, you know, big, big, big game World Cup players. Yep. And in terms of um, the physical challenge, it's right up there with anything you've done? Yeah, for sure. I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, the the climbs are really hard and um, I just found them to be really long. But the, the thing was that um, Cam was ha having, you know, a bit of trouble um, that week and, and we weren't really riding at a level. Um, there wasn't, yeah, I mean, we weren't on my limit for a lot of the, the riding. So it's hard to say, you know, if if I was sort of um, being racing flat out, you know, from the gun every day, um, and we weren't racing as a pair, um, maybe it, maybe it would have been even harder. You know, um, certainly the stages were hard, the climbs were big and long. Um, it was just that, yeah, Cam, Cam had an off week, and um, for sure, maybe if it was a week later, um, we we would have been right up there. Um, I think certainly. We're both probably capable of a top 10 there, um, for sure, I think, you know, if everything goes right during the week. And, well, Cam, obviously at a, what, which month was this in 2019? So This was uh, March. In March. Oh, so it's immediately after the Otway Odyssey. So Yeah, it was like two weeks later. Cam really did struggle that day in total contrast to you who flew around the track and won last year's 100-kilometre solo solo race. How, how do they compare? Cape Epic, obviously a multi-day event, but was there stages within that race that compared to the Otway Odyssey in terms of the physical challenge? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's what Cam and I discussed um, after the first couple of stages. Um, I mean, the first stage, I think, was probably comparable, you know, like, 2,000 or 2,500 metres of climbing and, you know, 100K or, you know, between 90K and 110K sort of thing. Um, so the thing was, though, that the terrain over there in South Africa was, was rough and um, really taxing on the body. Um, and just knowing that there's eight more days of, of those and, and potentially harder and longer days um, was the thing. Like you think about how smashed you are after the Otway or any of the other big marathons here like you you always finish them smashed and um literally the following day you got to get up and go again yeah uh, yeah do you think that's why the odyssey maintains its reputation it's it's 15 years old now the race so i guess that that 100k milestone it just it's it's got respect from mountain bikers yeah, for sure. And um, obviously I haven't been able to get down there till um, last year being the, the first time. And I was really impressed with um, just like the the course, how it's set out. It's a true sort of classic 
um, marathon course. It's got it's got a bit of everything. It's got um, you know those those rolling roads to start with, and then really good single track in the middle section, and then um, finishes with some proper hard climbs where the race can really go down. So I see it as um, a really good race course. Um, it's like challenging, fun, um, and it's always going to give you a good race and a race to the wire. I think just for the nature of, of where the feed zones are and and how the, the little three little stages are set out. So um, for sure, it's it's a physical challenge, and I think it's um, a really good course to, to race on. And um, yeah, I was I was pleased to get down there last year and take it on. Yeah, he won the race. It was quite an impressive victory just ahead of, I think it was Tasnan Curvis, was it? Yeah, um, we went, yeah, Reese Tucknot, Tasman and myself, I think, were all kind of racing together at that last um, climb and I just snuck away over the top of that, um, which I think is, that's so cool to be able to race, you know, that deep in the race. I think the last stage we, in fact, headed out with maybe seven seven guys like into the last stage of the race, um, so only 20 or 30K to go, um, which I think is so, so cool like to be able to have that kind of competition in, in the really late stages of the race and guys just attacking each other and, um, you know, there's no, there's definitely no clear winner at that point in the race. It's sort of, yeah. that's what I love about um, these longer events that, you know, right at that crunch point in the race, everyone's um, really starting to blow and, you know, you're just going sort of blow for blow. It's cool. Did you blow out? You said before the 80K mark is always interesting in a, in a 100K race or a marathon race. Did you have anything um, in the tank? Must have had yeah, something. I, I, was, I was feeling good that day, obviously, um, to be able to kind of put that last attack in and, and hold off Taz. I guess he's done it quite a few times and knows the um, trails and there is a bit of a descent off that last climb, um, which I kind of figured he'd be um, pretty decent at and, and, and was. Um, but, yeah, I was fresh enough to kind of attack on the climb and, and ride the um, rest of the trails back home pretty well. And, um, yeah, it's pretty sort of fond memory um, thinking about it now. So, yeah, it was – I don't know, I'd, I'd – I probably struggle more earlier in the race. Like I'll have periods, um, maybe 30, 40 Ks into the race um, where I really struggle and, and find it hard going and um, start to question whether I'll be good at the end. Um, so that's probably where I kind of have my struggling. And then usually, um, you know, if I'm on a good day, I come good towards the end and, and you know, that's sort of can be, can be where it counts. So. Yeah. It's, uh, Good um, time to touch on just the mindset. So we interview a lot of ultramarathon runners. We have a lot of adventure racers that uh, listen in and uh, also being guests on our podcast. What's What are you thinking about at the 30, 40K mark? Are you thinking about what you're going to have for dinner or is it just a matter of left, right, left, right? Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, I've, I've always, whenever I've started a race, like pretty much from the gun, I'm thinking about how I'm going to win it. Um, even at that 30 or 40k mark I'll probably assessing um, obviously just trying to keep the basic things like nutrition and um, and water and stuff and, and the procedure on how you're going to make sure you've got enough of it um, is is vital but after that my, my mind is pretty much just set on um, trying to win the, the race and like how I'm going to do it, how it's going to play out um, 
should I be trying to really conserve right now or is, is now the time to kind of put the pressure on? Um, and it all happens over four or five hours. So I think, um, yeah, like there's a lot of times in the race where like you get to the finish and, you know, whoever crosses the line first wins. But throughout the race, like you probably haven't, there's a lot goes on. Like there's, there's times when others are putting, you know, different guys under pressure and it's really kind of, crunch time within the race but it might be you know the two hours in or an hour in um but so it all builds to that finale i guess like whoever's done whatever earlier in the race can be fatigued or or you know they've held back and and race smart um which is kind of what i try to do but sometimes it's not appropriate to do that you have to go on the attack so yeah i mean i guess the mindset um for me has always been like how how am i going to win it Uh So primarily tactics, which is interesting to hear because I know we've had a couple of ultra marathoners who actually think the same way. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, like tactically um, in mountain biking, you, you can mostly just control what, what you do and, um, yeah, kind of uh, watch others and, and see how they're um, progressing through the day. And um, I think I've just done so many of these races now, like, you know i couldn't even i don't know maybe i've done 100 marathons and um I've, yeah i've just gotten so used to like the feeling in the body and and knowing where i'm at and how i'm feeling and, and um that's a big big player for me like with confidence and stuff i i've done so much training like over the years and i've done so much racing that i really draw on that um and events like the Cape Epic and, and, you know, the Odyssey, whatever it is, I, I take a little piece from every one and apply it to another one. Like they all form like my kind of uh, what would you, suitcase of courage, as um, some may call it. And, um, you know, I draw on, on all different experiences and events um, for other races. And for sure, that just that that period of doing so many events and um and races and having you know good days bad days like you just learn so much about your body and, and what it's capable of yeah i like that concept of a suitcase of courage <laughs> that's actually that might make a good headline for the podcast so. <laughs> yeah it's um well, it's interesting to hear about the psychology behind your racing especially from a mountain biker who's done well a hundred marathon races you say so and i think there was a stat that i read during research for this podcast that you'd won we hadn't lost was it a marathon race for three years or something you won 55 um, in a row no not 50 i think it might have been like 28 or something in a row there's a period um over yeah two or three years that was just um yeah i was just having really good success and i'd enter a race and and I mean, often there's different levels um, of competition each of the races and, and some of them, like I'm in this kind of winning streak as, as it was and, I, you know, whether it was like a national champs that was coming up or um, one of the bigger marathons with, you know, you, you get like one or two guys um, which were big players who weren't doing the rest of the races like, um, you know, Dan McConnell would turn up to, to one or whatever or there's one in particular um, – in Tassie that Scott Bowden turned up to and he was he'd just done the 
Olympics and stuff and, and was in great form. And, and there's just a few of those races where I went up against really guys who were in really good shape and, um, yeah, pro- proper sort of, you know, there was out, they were kind of outliers in, in guys that I'm going like, I never went onto the start line going, yeah, I'm going to win this. I, I, it was always like, who's the, who are the guys who um, are going to make this really hard, hard to win? And like, um, yeah, there was these few few races where like key key guys turned up, and I was able to kind of get over them. And that that was sort of within that streak. That was what was um, I was finding really cool. You know, like I was coming up against all sorts of challenges, and um, just to to kind of continue that streak going when i sort of finish the race and and think about it i'd be really proud of myself that you know another challenge popped out another challenger sort of came along and um you know that they, they were in awesome shape and i was able yeah. to kind of keep it going and that like i took that um i was just become really proud of those those little victories so yeah it's a purple patch to say the least and well it's it's been a massive decade for you to say the least, as well. And obviously won the Otway Odyssey last year. You're coming back this year, February 22nd. Uh, this this episode will be published about a week out from uh, this year's Otway Odyssey. Have you got any ad, any advice for junior riders, younger riders coming through? What's Any training hacks or the best the best advice you could give a young rider for the 100K solo? Yeah, I mean, like I was saying earlier, like uh, as a young young guy doing some of these longer races, um, that was why I was attracted to them. I would see guys um, like Sean Lewis at the Highland Fling many, many years ago when I was um, not even old enough to race 50 or the 25 or whatever. I was just there because my dad was doing it. So I just saw these guys coming over the line and they they just seemed like just like busted after such a big day out and, um, you know, racing right to the line and I was like, I want to do that. So yeah you, you you get to the age where you can actually compete in a um marathon and um i don't know it took me like five or six to to get through one without completely exploding towards the end and i just think yeah you need to have those times like where you like i don't think you should expect to enter your first 100k and finish it strongly like you're gonna you're gonna blow up like i think it's it's almost a given like you, you just don't know your body well enough at that age to be able to pace correctly um and you you don't have the the race smarts like it takes time to develop that so i think yeah the sooner you can get on top of that like um your pacing and your nutrition and stuff like the 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 things that you don't think are important at that age um yeah for sure like that's where success comes from like i i mean i know myself like uh, it took me a while to get on top of it but you know once you kind of get the the pacing sorted and, and really listening to your body and, and knowing exactly when's the right time to spend energy and when isn't um, is definitely key for this sort of racing. So definitely important to have a crack, but just don't expect too much in terms of results. Yeah, for sure. And I think like, like get stuck in and um, yeah, they can just be, uh, they can just provide good training, like a hundred K mountain bike ride is, is good. So the sooner you sort of start doing them if you're comfortable and, and I don't know, whatever you, your coach or your, your, your parents um, um, think about it, obviously, um, is important. But, um, yeah, I think they're, they're really good, you know, challenging races and, and can provide for 
great training for your, your other stuff as well. Yeah, it's going to be huge. That's that's for sure. And we can't wait to see you roll around again. So in terms of the future, we, we've got the Otway Odyssey coming up. Um, what's next on the radar? So hopefully we get you at the Redback in August, August 20 to 23, later in the year, another one of Rapid Ascent events. Um, what is the future, though, for, for Brendan Johnston? Um, a yeah, I mean, I've just I've – just, Last end of last year, signed another two years with um, Giant Bikes Australia. So um, that's kind of congratulations. Yeah, thanks. So that sort of um, is how I kind of structure my years. Like, if there's still a contract of, um, available, I'll go again, which is what happened this year and um, potentially the the year two years before when I started with Giant. I was at a point where the business was getting really busy and. Um, they're just I had awesome support from Trek um, for many years, and and it was great. Like I, I made some really good friends there, and it was all it was all good. But it was taking a lot of time and effort to be continuing the racing, and um, yeah, I mean the the option or the offer came up with with Giant at that time, and um, I potentially was happy to maybe um, hang it up before that that offer came in, and. Um, it just seemed like something I should should go for for the next two years and, and see how it goes along. And, um, yeah, it's been awesome and I've had really great flexibility with, with doing some road racing and stuff and um, the support from Giant is, is awesome and um, it really makes it a lot easier to, you know, and worthwhile to, to keep on putting the effort into the racing and the training. And, um, yeah, so I've got another two years at least of, of racing on the cards and, um I don't know. We'll see. We'll see after that. Um, yeah, and that's primarily off road. Yeah, it's, it's mostly off road. I do a little bit of road. I've got the Melbourne to Warrnambool next weekend, um, uh-huh. which I'll come down and do. And um, yeah, just a, just a few road events. You placed on the podium for that race last year. Is that right? Yeah, the, it was actually I think a similar sh- um, schedule. It was like a week before the Otway, which it, it is this year. Um, yeah, so I think I was, yeah third um, at the Warney last year. Um, it's a it's a good event. Like a similar sort of reason why I've spoken about these marathons. It's sort of a long race and and late in the day it can be um, pretty hard. So. Um, yeah, I'll go and give that a crack and, and some other sort of road events throughout the year. But, yeah, mostly um, just the stage racing that I do and um, year in, year out. And um, I had sort of earmarked a couple of events um, like Leadville and stuff, but um, with a, a small child coming along, it's um, maybe it might be a thing for next year, that those trips. So. Yeah. That's changed the schedule slightly. but um... Slightly, Yeah. <laughs> Um, if we can break out of the, the mountain bike bubble for a second, a question I like like to ask each guest is, you know, we, when we talk about endurance, do you believe it's a matter of nature or nurture when it comes to endurance? So basically, are you born with it or is it something you can train for? Oh, that's, a very, that's, a, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know. I think, I think if you are um, good with endurance, then – it always comes through late, like it always shines through. Um, and then I think if you if you have that, it doesn't just kind of 
you don't maybe you don't get to the point in events that it can show on if you don't do the work. So I think mm-hmm. I don't know. I train well enough to be able to compete with guys at the start of the race, and then maybe my my natural sort of endurance kicks in later in the race. I think. Um, yep. Yeah, but you still need to do the work to get there. As you say. Yeah, I think that you know you might get left behind early on if you if you're not. Yeah, if you're not prepared, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of what I base my my training off. Like, um, I know there's going to be even for the longer races, there's going to be points in the races where there's guys who are better than me, um, yep. which is what I train for. And then I, I I know that from whether it's from you know whether it's natural, whether it's just from many many years of of riding for you know and training um, that it's kind of instilled in my physiology. I don't know. I, I think I do have a natural endurance sort of streak. My dad did a lot of triathlons and Ironmans and stuff um, over the years, so um, I kind of feed off that a bit. Yeah, that's interesting to note. There's a little bit of um, lineage there. Um, yeah. Another question, is there anyone that inspires you outside of mountain biking, anyone that you particularly look up to? Um, yeah, there are. I mean, Rob um, Burrell, the guy I've, I've run the business with, um, he certainly inspires me. He's got four kids and, and um, just there's a hammer like that takes on anything, whether it be uh, riding or, or work or um, anything like that. And he's obviously I've spent a lot of time with him over the last 10 years running the business and stuff. Um, he's just a, yeah, he, he'd definitely be an inspiration. He um it's taught me so much about everything, you know, like um, everything from from work to um, parenting, as I'll soon be doing, and um, yeah, just just getting sort of stuck into things. He's he's been a great role model. So, and well, it's interesting that you look up to someone so close to home. I think it's obviously highly relatable. Is there anyone that's uh, that you haven't met that you would look up to? Um, it's one that I have met, Mark Weber. Um, Mark Weber, yeah, yeah. I've spent a bit of time with him over the years. Um, and he's from Queanbeyan, which is just like part of Canberra, but New South Wales. Um, and kind of, um, not not the has came from as you know nothing, but to go from a small town like Queanbeyan and um, his family obviously investing a whole lot of money and time into to his sport and um, then to to go so to be so successful and get to that like top level which you know there aren't many guys that that have um, I think that's incredible like um, you know it's probably a bit underrated in in the effort that ta- it takes to go from from driving go karts to um, to Formula One and um, yeah, I've been it's been awesome to be able to, to meet someone like that and and kind of have a few discussions with him. So very cool. Yeah, and definitely now as well, he's turned into a, an entrepreneur now with Aussie Grit. So gone from transition yeah, from one to the next. So yeah, I've done a couple of. Um, a photo shoot with him with with that um his new clothing range or it's not so new now it's pretty pretty established and um yep. yeah i did a um a talk with him and at a launch for aussie grid at one of the shops here and and um things like that so um yeah just pretty pretty inspirational character and, and just like keeps himself so fit and healthy um 
which I think is is like pretty important to note. Obviously, he travels a ton and um, but just maintains that healthy healthy lifestyle, which is cool. Yeah, it's one thing that's always struck me about Mark Webber. He's always been known for his professionalism and f- level of fitness too, hasn't he? So he's kind of, almost a pioneer, I guess. In, in yeah, for that. sure, definitely. Um, obviously, well, t- taken on a number of different challenges, events, and um, you know, running his own events and stuff, and and yeah, just some really cool stuff that he's been able to um, mix in and and you know, stuff that he kind of sees important to to do, you know, while he's so busy and with with such a crazy um you know profession yeah it's um and if i can put you on the spot a little bit for a a third and final question um have you got a favorite quote favorite quote um i noticed there was one on your profile but i can't remember what it was yeah i can't either so it wasn't wasn't that important (laughs) (laughs) um I can't think of one. Maybe you no, can make no. one up. <laughs> Something related to the suitcase of courage. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. So the suitcase of courage is good. I think, um, you know, you carry around with you a array of experiences um, that you can draw on, you know, for different occasions. And I, I'm, I'm not that I'm getting too old, but I do feel like I've, been around a while now and um i'm sure everyone um throughout you know whether it be work or or a sport or whatever has um yeah i think experience is is underrated for um performance yep life experience talking about. life experience yeah 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 so at this stage you're 27 aren't you i'm um i've just uh, i turned 28 in november in November, yeah. So, incredibly mature outlook on life. I guess you've you've kind of learned the hard way. Is there any regrets? So you talked about schoolies and not being able to do that. Is there is there any regrets, or you wouldn't have it any other way? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, like I was saying earlier, I I made the decision to kind of go down this path, and um, people often say that. Like you know, when I have a good ride, at, like I was saying that at road nets and stuff, like oh, you, like you could be a world tour or whatever. But I don't think I don't think I could. Um, I think I'm good now because of what I've done. Um, you know, in the last five or ten years, like it, I don't think I'd make a good full time professional. Um, I think I make a good. I think I make a good electrician who um, rides a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Like I think that's like, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I think yeah. the level that which I'm at now is is as good as I'll be. Um, and I think it's because of the the things I've done in the last five or ten years. So, yeah, definitely um, no regrets. I mean, yeah, it's been a – there's a lot going on, I guess, um, when I sit back and think about it. But, um like yeah, I couldn't have really had it any better now. Like um, you know, obviously we've got um, starting a family and um, got a house and a, a wife and a, everything everything going on. So um, yeah, good good career sort of with the the business and stuff. And um, yeah, like I say, Giant look after me awesomely as well. So um, 
it's all it's all going on for me. It's great. Yeah, it's such a fantastic um, outlook on life to have at such a young age too. So um, good on you for do, of having that outlook and congratulations on all your success to date. I'm very conscious of the time and it's, it is it is Friday night, 8.30 at night. You've probably got some bass statements to do. and <laughs> In invoices, yeah. Invoices and then up at, what, 5 a.m. tomorrow morning and straight into it. Yeah, that's it. Um Weekends, I uh, load up on the weekends. Are you on What's the road tomorrow? Uh, on, like... We've we've actually got rain forecast, so I think I'll be out on the mountain bike. Um, it's a bit more pleasant yep. in the in the rain. So usually weekends, uh, um, so I do a big ride Saturdays on the road bike, and then a the mountain bike on Sunday. So um, that's where I kind of get my my volume in this, this Saturday Sunday. Yeah, and then Monday. A bit of a tapering off day. Yeah, Monday and then um, kick it off on Tuesday. Do it. I don't know. It feels like I've been doing this for so long, the, the same procedure. <laughs> um, and the way that my racing works, I don't really have like a peak season. So it just kind of, it's kind of, there's events all year. So I'm just doing the same thing all year. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, it sounds like a really crazy schedule year to year. So, and if that's become normal, then kudos to you. Yeah, I mean, it, it is um, certainly become the norm for me. And like I say, I've got to, to sign up for two more years of it at least. So we'll see, see what happens yeah. after that. Yeah, we can't say, wait to see it at uh, the Otway Odyssey on the 22nd. Uh, hopefully another victory there. We'll see how you go. The Nankervis boys might have something to say about that. And I understand Reese Tupnot has entered as well. Yeah, yeah, I think there'll be a... Um, it's always got a good field, like like years before last, you know, um, with Chris Hamilton and stuff doing it. Like, yeah, just solid riders, and it and it, um, it rewards a, you know, a, a strong fit, um, someone who's technically good. It really rewards that sort of all round us. So, yeah, it'll be tough for sure. Yeah, it actually reminds me of um, uh, the Bell's Beach or the World Surfing League at Bell's Beach. They say that no kook ever won. Bell's Beach, and I think it's the same for the Otway Odyssey. Like, no average yeah. rider ever won the Odyssey. So, that'll be it. Good luck on uh, on the 22nd, and really appreciate your time tonight. Such a fascinating story. There's a hundred other questions we could go through, but um, I think we, we got the gist of it, and it's such an incredible story. So, congratulations on all your success, and uh, thanks very much for your time this evening. Yeah, thank, thanks, uh, Ben, and, and Rapid Ascent for having me on. I'm looking forward to. Um, the only Odyssey.